Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Today, we continue our six-week teaching series called Jesus, My Reward, My Desire, My King. We're going to be spending the next six weeks unpacking the Gospel of John. Today, we continue in John chapter 1, where Eric pulls out three key leadership thoughts from the life of Jesus. Well, Jesus, my reward, my desire, and my king. These are the descriptions that we've been thinking about as we have walked through this series in the Gospel of John. And I'm really excited about today because for a couple of weeks, we have heard John the author talk about Jesus and what he did and what his life was all about. And we find that in the opening verses in John chapter 1. And then last week, we talked about John the Baptist. He was a follower of Jesus, and his whole life was designed to point other people to the Messiah, to Jesus, the chosen one, not to himself, but to other people. And that's the middle section of John chapter 1. Today, we're going to actually hear what Jesus says. And so we're going to get into his life. And in John chapter 1, we find the first recorded words that Jesus spoke in this particular gospel, and they're kind of interesting. So here's what we're going to discover today. That is, Jesus was consumed with leading. And that's actually our big idea. Jesus was consumed with leading. And here's how we're going to define leading and leadership for the sake of our conversation and our discussion, because I've discovered that there's a lot of different ways that people define what leadership is all about. So here's our definition for today. Leadership is influence, pure and simple. Leadership is influence. It is the ability to rally people to a common purpose. And so whenever we see someone doing that and we find them involved in that kind of activity, they are leading and they are having impact. And this is what we find Jesus doing in John chapter 1, which brings us to our paragraph. So I'm going to begin reading with verse 35 through the end of the chapter. Here's what it says. The following day, John again, and this is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they left John the Baptist and they began to follow Jesus because John was saying, He's the one. He's the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God who's going to pay the price for the sins of the world. In verse 38, Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked. (laughs) I think this is kind of funny because it's the first recorded spoken words of Jesus in John chapter 1. A little sarcastic, like, you're following me. What do you want? What do you need? Here's Jesus speaking. And I don't think he was asking that because he didn't know what they were thinking about. Jesus asked that because he was trying to get them to think about who they were following. And that's kind of a big theme and a big thread that we find here in this section. They answered. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Well, come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. 
Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah. We found him, which means Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. See, Jesus is in the process of recruiting his team here. And so he's looking at these different individuals and saying, come and follow me. And verse 44 says, Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip then went to look for Nathanael and told him, guess what, Nathanael? I've got some news for you. We have found the very person I mean, this is the guy that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph, and he's from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And this is kind of a funny moment here because Nathanael was from Cana, and Cana and Nazareth were kind of rival towns. Like the people from Cana thought they were all that, and the people from Nazareth, not so much. And so when they played football on Friday nights, there was a lot of tension between Cana High School and the high school in Nazareth. And Nathaniel cannot get his mind around the fact that the one, I mean, the guy that we have been waiting for, the one that Moses told us about, the guy who's going to save the world, he's from that town? What good can come from Nazareth? I can't even believe this. So Philip replied, well, come and see for yourself. And as they approached, Jesus said, speaking of Nathanael, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Jesus actually applauds his honesty. He didn't have a problem with that at all. Well, how do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, well, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And we have a quick turnaround here for Nathanael. And the very fact that he used the phrase, you are the son of God, indicates that he got it. I mean, he knew, he understood that Jesus really was the one. And now he's ready to follow. He's ready to give his life. Verse 50, Jesus asked him, Well, do you believe this just because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. And Jesus is basically telling Nathaniel, you haven't seen anything yet. I mean, if you thought it was impressive that I knew what you were thinking while you were sitting under the fig tree, let me tell you a little bit about what is going to happen if you truly come and follow me. So, Nathaniel, if you follow me, if you become one of my disciples, then you're going to see me heal people. And there are those who were once blind, 
and they are now going to be able to see because of what I do for them. And there are those who never could walk and I'm gonna be able to give life to their legs and they're going to be able to walk. And there are those who have terrible skin diseases that nobody will touch and I will touch them and I will make them clean again. And then people are gonna get so mad about me and who I am, they're actually gonna take my life. They're gonna murder me but then I'm going to come back to life again. So if you thought it was impressive that I could see what you were thinking about under the tree, you just hang on because it's going to get a whole lot better if you follow me. Jesus, consumed with leading. Now let's think about leadership for a second because most of the time when we talk about leading or leadership, we say stuff like this. Well, that's not me. I mean, I am not a leader. I am not one who takes charge. I would rather hang out in the shadows where nobody can see me. And there I'll be able to do things and there I will be able to work. But I really don't want anybody to recognize me because I am not a leader. She's a leader. Or he's a leader. They're up front and they're pointing and they're directing. They have confidence. They have a bit of swagger about them. But again, that's not me. I don't do that stuff. Again, I just kind of hang out in the shadows. I am not a leader. And we generally tend to look at the outward appearance of people when we define leadership. But when we define leadership as influence... Well, this is something that pretty much everybody in this room has at some level. Maybe that level for you involves hundreds of people or even thousands or maybe just one or two individuals, but you probably have some level of influence on somebody else. Look, if you're living and breathing, you're a leader. Look at the person next to you. Are they living and breathing? Yeah, a few of you just woke up. Welcome to Valley Point Church. If you are living and breathing, then you are probably a leader. And Jesus begins in John chapter 1 to assemble his team and ask people to come and follow him. And he says to them, as he says to all of us, you can count on me, you can follow me, you can trust me, you can attach yourself to me. And there is a pattern for how we see Jesus leading here. And so here's what I want to do. I want to look at John chapter 1 and the things that Jesus does and the things that he says, and I want to pull out three leadership thoughts that I think all of us can use. So even if you're not really that big on the church or Jesus or you're not too cracked up about the Bible, I think these are principles and thoughts that you can use in any situation. So feel free to pull out what works for you. And take that in your home, in your business, in your school, and just have some fun thinking about how if you are living and breathing, if that's you, and I'm pretty sure that's all of you, then we have the ability to influence and lead other people. So here's leadership thought number one, and that is Jesus invited people to investigate his life. He consistently said to others, Come and see. Why don't you check out who I am? Investigate me. Observe my life. I want to give you permission to do that. In this first chapter, he says it in verse 39. Come and see. 
Verse 43, come and follow. Verse 46, someone else is inviting Jesus and they're saying about him, you need to come and see who this individual is. See, Jesus was not afraid of having people look at his life. Why not? Well, he's God, and so he's perfect, and he was. I mean, Jesus was the complete package. So those are the obvious reasons, but I think there's something else that's happening here that is kind of interesting. Jesus knew that as imperfect humans, we would need someone to follow. Think about that. I want to say it again. Jesus knew that as imperfect humans, we would need someone to follow because how we lead flows from who we're following, right? I mean, if we're leading and we're influencing other people, that is a result of the things that we have learned from other people. And again, Jesus makes the case in chapter one that we should be following him, we should be trusting him, and we should be attaching ourselves to him. Ultimately, leadership and influence is about who we're following. And Jesus says that you can follow me. So let me ask you the question, who are you following? Now, for all of you English police in the room, I understand that it's supposed to be whom because you is the subject and you're kind of twitching right now because I'm not using proper grammar, but we're going to go with who because I looked it up on Google and it is actually acceptable and we all know that the internet is true about everything. So I want to give you English police a chance to relax today. We're going with who are you following? Who has that lead chair in your life? If you say that you're following you and your intuition and your smarts and your education and your accomplishments, that's all good. And that might even take you very far, depending on your natural abilities and what you have picked up on in life. But there is a lid. At some point, you will go so high and you will not be able to get past that lid. If you say that you're not following anybody, I mean, I just don't trust people. I don't trust individuals, so I'll figure this out on my own. I'm not following anybody. Again, a lid. Jesus wants to be this individual that we are following. He wants to be that person. He's very capable, very capable. And that's what he's saying to these different individuals in John chapter one. You come and follow me because I am capable. And if you think it was impressive what I said to you or what I knew of you before I even saw you, you just hang on because it's gonna get a whole lot better than this. I am capable. In week one of this series, I made the statement that Jesus is this individual who just won't go away. And people have tried to bury him and tried to kick out his influence. But here we are, a few thousand years after his death and resurrection, and we are still talking about him. So just to be sure that we're all on the same page here, I want to share a couple of different ways that his influence is still being felt today. So you might be here and be okay with all of this because you're a believer in Jesus and you trust in what he says about himself in his word and you might be all good with that, but maybe you're still trying to figure out who this Jesus individual is. Let me share some things kind of outside of what we see in the gospels that help us to understand he is very capable of leading us at many different levels and his leadership, his influence, because that's how we're defining that, 
is still very evident today. Here's just one example. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have been translated into 2,527 different languages. The second most translated book, Don Quixote, has been translated into about 60 languages. Not even close. So the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that share the story of Jesus, they have been translated into so many languages that it's even hard to keep track of. Kind of blows your mind. A couple of weeks ago, I met someone who was trilingual. And I can't even wrap my mind around that. As you know, I'm butchering the English language today, so the thought of adding a second or even a third language to that is beyond my imagination. I just can't even picture that. But imagine the Gospels, 2,527 languages. That means that there are people groups around the world who we don't even know about are understanding and hearing about and seeing Jesus in his word, his influence, his leadership. Very real, very real and still being felt today. Here's one other way. The thought of Jesus imposing a calendar on the world seems kind of crazy, don't you think? But every time we look at a calendar, it speaks of his life. B.C. is before Christ and A.D. or the year of our Lord refers to the years after the birth of Jesus. And so every single time we look at a calendar, it speaks of the influence of Jesus. Still very much alive, still very much having impact and influence, which is leadership, still touching people today. And we talked in week one about how normally when someone dies, their impact on the world begins to recede, but not the case with Jesus. He's very capable of leading your life. Ultimately, leadership is not about me and my intuition and my education and my experience. It's about what Jesus has already done for me. It's about who we are following. So let me ask you, as an individual who has impact, and again, that's different for every single person in this room. It could be a lot or it could just be one or two individuals that you influence and impact. But we're living and we're breathing, so we influence, we lead. Who are you following? This is the greatest question of leadership. Who are you modeling yourself after? Because how you lead flows from who you know. It's about who we're following. It is. Leadership thought number two. Jesus built a team. And he built a great team. Jesus knew his mission, and he also knew that he wouldn't be on the earth forever. And so he began to assemble people around him who would be able to carry on the mission of sharing the most important message in all of the world. And that is the truth that God loves all people. And so he had to assemble a team who would be able to carry on that mission. And Jesus had one goal and one desire as he built that team. Here's what he wanted for them. He simply wanted them to serve other people. And so he assembled this team and he got these individuals of unlikely characters together and he said to them, here's how you're going to lead, here's how you're going to influence, you're going to do that by serving 
other people. See, Jesus really wasn't into VIP red carpet events or pomp and circumstance or razzle-dazzle or whatever else that you want to say about leading people. He was all about building a team for one purpose, and that one purpose was to serve other people. See, Jesus was a whole lot more about just getting down on hands and knees and saying, we're going to serve you and I'm going to touch the untouchable and love the unlovable and reach out to those who have been pushed to the margins of society. I'm going to reach out to those who have been marginalized, and I'm going to serve them. This is my whole goal. And he built a team around serving other people. And I want to submit to you that if you want to raise your leadership and your influence in your business in your home, or in your school, that you just begin the process of serving other people. And some individuals will be so attracted to that that they will want what you have to offer. Jesus got it. He understood that. And so he brought this team together for one purpose, and that whole purpose was to serve other people. That's how Jesus defined greatness. In service, in giving away, and in giving up. That's truly great. Leadership thought number three, and that is Jesus wasn't afraid to take a risk with people. Wasn't afraid to take a risk. And when you look at the individuals that he put on his team, these are not the individuals that the world at that time or their culture or their area thought were the most likely to succeed. In chapter one, we find Jesus doing the work of building his team. And if Jesus would have brought in a consultant and said, here's my team, here's who I've got following me, it's Andrew and Cephas and all of these different individuals, and with them, I'm going to change the world. I mean, I'm gonna share the greatest message ever. What do you think about my team? I think the consultant probably would have stepped back and said, I think you're in a lot of trouble here, Jesus. I mean, I know you're God and you know everything and you can probably work this out, but these are not fantastic individuals. As a matter of fact, they have a lot of issues. I'm not so sure this is gonna work out. Like you might wanna try a different way, Jesus. I'm not so sure about this. So Jesus is assembling this team in chapter one and I actually looked up these different individuals and I wrote down some things about them. Here's what we know about these individuals. Again, the team that Jesus assembled to change the world to start serving. They were brash, vacillating, impulsive, unsubmissive, and undependable. Sounds great so far, doesn't it? Others seemed to be afraid of their own shadows. So if they weren't obnoxious, they were over here hiding in the corner. Some were impatient with people. Some were jealous. Others doubted. A few were greedy, one even sold out Jesus for financial gain. So that's, that's the team. That's the team. They made their fair share of mistakes, and each one of them is different, but yet God used each and every one of them to share the truth about Jesus. And God is willing and able to do the same with all of us. And that's good news. That's good news because you know what we're like sometimes? Brash, 
vacillating, impulsive, unsubmissive, and undependable. Does that describe anybody here? Don't raise your hand. Is anybody here afraid of their own shadow? Is anybody impatient with people? Jealous? Doubt? Greedy? See, we make our fair share of mistakes as well, but yet God uses all of that. And the good news here is that God, through Jesus, took a risk with people. He's taking a risk with me right now, and he's taking a risk with you. And one of the leadership thoughts that we can kind of pull out of John chapter 1 is that Jesus was willing to take a risk with people who didn't have it all together, and we need to be willing to do the same. Maybe you need to risk again. Because maybe the very thing that the people around you need is you and you've been withdrawing from that because you don't want to take that risk. So maybe it's time to risk again in your business with some type of relationship. You've been avoiding and staying away from that, but maybe it's just time to risk again. Maybe in your home, it's time to risk again. And you've tried and you've tried and it just doesn't seem like it's working. Maybe it's not working. But perhaps through the leadership of Jesus, you're beginning to understand and God is whispering into your heart today that it's okay to risk again. Maybe at school, it's just time to risk again. And this is one of the things that we find in the life of Jesus. He was willing to take some risks. So three takeaways. Number one, who you follow matters. It matters. So are you willing to follow Jesus? Are you willing to put your agenda aside and pick up his? Are you willing to follow in his footsteps? Are you willing to be a disciple of Jesus? Because who you follow matters, and that will make a big difference in how you influence and impact and lead the people around you. Secondly, find greatness in serving, okay? Let's just find it there and let's attach ourselves to that kind of lifestyle as we lead and influence. Less pomp and circumstance, VIP red carpet, razzle dazzle, and more getting on our hands and knees and simply serving other people and finding greatness there. And then thirdly, take risks because your influence might be exactly what the people around you need. See, we all influence. We all lead at different levels. And what we discover and we learn from Jesus, my reward, my desire, my king, is that leadership can be effective. It can be. I think we all know the examples and the ways where we have seen it be ineffective. But leadership and influence can be effective when we do the kinds of things that Jesus did. And so let's commit to doing that this week. Let's do that because it will help us all. Homework for next week. By the way, are you doing okay on that? You reading before you come? All right. I'm putting my head down so you can nod up or down one way or the other. But here's your homework for next week. This is what I want you to think about before we arrive. And that is John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And there we are going to find Jesus performing his very first miracle. And we're going to discover that Jesus was consumed with relationships. And that's why he was where he was, and he was able to perform that whole first miracle. So we're going to jump into that next week, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope to see you here. Father, we come to you, 
And again, we're just very, very thankful for what we discover in the closing verses of John chapter 1. And how Jesus was consumed with leading. God, I pray that you would grip all of our hearts and you would help us to get and to understand that we need to be ready and prepared to lead and influence. God, I pray that you'd start with me. Help me to do a better job of this, of thinking about who I am following. Because who we're following will spill over into how we lead. And God, we don't want to lid on ourselves with our ability to impact other people. So God, help us to really look at you and follow you and have you be our model of serving other people. And then God, help us to build the right kind of team. And as we do that, set the example of serving because it's in serving that we find greatness. God, help us to take risks because that's what you did with us. And you're still doing that. You're still working on us and still pushing on us and still shaping us. So God, help us to be so willing to do the same with others. God, this is how you led. This is how you influenced. Help us to do the same this week at home, at work, at school, in this community. God, wherever it is that you take us, help us to be ready to do these kinds of things. Thank you for the example that you gave us. Help us to embrace it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.